Welcome to the beautiful city of Campbell River in our Modern Entrepreneur podcast series at the 50th Parallel. That's me. You've got questions, we've got experts. Let's find answers. So today we are here with Jim Colvin, President and Chief Executive Officer of Sirius Labs. Jim, before I ask you to tell us a bit about Sirius Labs, I should also mention that your roots are in Campbell River. Tell us a bit about that. Sure, and thanks for having me. Um, yeah, no, I uh, I was actually born in Comox, but um, my father and mother, mom was a school teacher, and my dad was a miner at the time. He was mining up at uh, Mount Washington back in the day. And then they moved up to Campbell River, where we've been ever since, um, probably before I was one years old. And uh, my family's always been rooted here in Campbell River since then. And so I've always had uh, roots here in, in the town. And so... When did you head away from Campbell River and what led you away from Campbell River? <laughs> well, if I was going to be perfectly honest, I, uh, I, uh, I wasn't successful in most of the jobs I had. Uh, I worked at the pulp mill. I worked at Dairyland. I worked at uh, what used to be called Big Scoop, every kind of restaurant you could imagine. And I think it just became preordained that uh, I probably better leave town. Uh, I sold cars in Courtney. Uh, and ended up going to uh, Malaspina College at the time and then getting jobs in the hospitality industry outside of Campbell River. But I was always back in Campbell River because all my family and friends were here. So um, I moved originally to Nanaimo, then to Vancouver. And then from Vancouver, I actually moved to the UK, where I ultimately went to law school. And tell us a bit about how you got into Sirius Labs. And what is Sirius Labs? Right. Okay. So it's... Um, uh, I became a, a technology lawyer many, many years ago and um, because I saw that the growth of technology and how it was starting to permeate everything we did um, back in even in the, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, and I wanted to be a part of it, and I did it as a lawyer. So I practiced law um, both in um, California and in um, Canada. Um, and primarily in the technology sector. I then left law to go and take over the CEO role of a, a firm client. I was working for a big international firm out of Calgary. And um, when I exited that, I started a small private equity firm with a couple partners. And one of our investee um, uh, companies was a small tech startup called 3D Interactive. And um, we financed it, rebranded it. I took over the CEO role and we started to develop um, training solutions for heavy industry using uh, video game technology and then ultimately virtual reality. And it was really deeply rooted in my mom being an educator and my dad being a, a blue collar guy, you know, for everything from a truck driver to equipment operator to a, uh, you know, to a miner to working in the pulp mill. So I had both sides of that always in my, in my DNA. So you definitely used your experience from growing up in Campbell River and in the Comox Valley and eventually kind of got back to your roots with that training. So with Sirius Labs... Can your technology be used for some of the primary industries here in Campbell River? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, uh, you know, what Sirius Labs does is it uses new 21st century technologies to train a new generational workforce to be more inclusive, to have more um, underrepresented people, people that look like me and I'm almost 60, 
you know, we're leaving the workforce and that workforce is going to be taken over by people that don't look like me. More women, more people of color, more people of English as a second language, new Canadians, Aboriginal peoples, um, Indigenous peoples. Uh, they're going to be taking over the workforce and these these people learn differently. So we have to be culturally agnostic, language agnostic, um, and the technologies of today facilitate that. The traditional form of training where just enough, just in time, and, you know, let's hope you don't hurt yourself. Those days are behind us. We have a commitment to safety and competency in the workforce that everybody agrees to, and technology just facilitates that. So Sirius Labs saw a problem and developed technology to solve it. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs with a big idea who may also see that gap in their industry that they want to use technology to solve? Yeah, that's a great question because quite often, you know, there's technology for technology's sake where you might just have a great idea like, you know, uh, Airbnb or something, and you can you can con you can dream that up in Campbell River or Silicon Valley, but it's still that big idea that has this more macro application. I always encourage people to learn from where they are. Um, I look at Campbell River and the traditional industries here, and not look at technology as a sector in upon itself, but as an enabler to improve upon the sectors that we already have. So if you look at a town like Campbell River that has a lot of traditional industries, um, what how can technology um, enable uh, better performance, more sustainable performance, more inclusive behaviors, uh, and then something that's scalable in developing intellectual property that can then be marketed around the world. You know, there's, um, you know, logging techniques um, that we're deploying here in Canada that were invented in New Zealand, you know. So New Zealand figured out ways to create ways to solve a problem locally, um, leveraging technology, and then becoming a, that becomes an export product. I mean, I think... Uh, you know, Matt and Heather Clark are doing something kind of similar. So um, I'm a real believer Campbell River is just blessed with so many different um, uh, uh, sectors that are traditional to why our parents all came here in the first place, whether it's aquaculture, wild salmon fishing, or, you know, wild fishing, um, forestry, mining, uh, tourism, and all of the infrastructure supporting uh, businesses um, that that you that grow around it. Um, technology is an enabler. It's not a thing in and upon itself. Imagine it like electricity. So I'm a real encourager. Um, I really believe in if take your idea and apply it to some problem that you can see and touch that you know exists, and um, and that's where technology uh, can really help where you are and where you're from. Do you feel that Campbell River is a place that can develop these world-class big idea technologies? Or is there a disadvantage to being in a smaller city? Like you you left, you went away, you went to the UK, you went to, you know, the US and all over the world. But looking back now in this day and age, do you think you would have had to have left to be able to create serious labs and um, some of the technology that you've developed? Um, that's another great question. You know, I think when I left, yes, uh, I think that what I needed to do, I mean, you obviously couldn't go to law school in Campbell River, um, but uh, certainly 
again, it goes back to what I was saying before is that, you know, when you come from a place like Campbell River, you always are trying to find a way to get back here. I believe that we have to kind of look at how our youth are, um, how do we provide training and education opportunities to foster innovation locally so they don't have to go away, create housing that's affordable, jobs that are meaningful so that they can um, stay where they are. I mean, we have such a benefit here of the, the, the work to live world. What, we, what COVID taught is that we can work from anywhere for the most part, unless you have something very tactile that you have to physically touch and do. But um, so many jobs now are, you can do them from where they are. I've got law friends that have moved to, you know, uh, lawyer friends that have moved from big cities to one of them lives on Miracle Beach because he can quickly fly to Vancouver if he needs to attend a meeting in person. The rest of the time he's working from his office on the beach. And uh, that's just a lifestyle thing. I think that really is a, a, a real advantage to a place like Campbell River. So you've got the idea that we have the technologies to work remotely already. That means that if you can learn locally um, and, and you can stay, then you, you don't have to go outside to come back in. Um, now, I'm a real believer in travel and my daughter, one daughter is at UVic and my other daughter intends to go there and I'm going to encourage world travel and experience. You want that, but uh, there's nothing better uh, than know that you have a place where you belong and you always want to come back to when you, uh, when you find your way home. And I think Campbell River, just with all the traditional industries, with the capability of working afar, such a beautiful setting, uh, and a great lifestyle that's such a draw. The more you can keep your youth here, train them here, give them oppor economic opportunity here that fosters both the traditional industries and new industries and the technologies that enables them, um, I think Campbell River is perfectly suited for that kind of grand experiment. That is very wise and very good uh, advice. I myself am not from Campbell River. I grew up in rural Manitoba and I did feel like I had to leave for education and for world experience. And um, the community there doesn't have a whole lot for me to go back to. But looking at Campbell River and looking at what the youth have and the schools that are here and growing up in this lifestyle, that's why I'm here. And that's why I want to raise my child here is so that they can have that experience. I'm definitely going to encourage them to go and see other parts of the world. But I know that they'll probably come back here because it is so beautiful. And technology does allow remote working and tapping into those different uh, industries, life experiences. And we've got the modern entrepreneur programs that happen through economic development that really are allowing businesses to start up and thrive and continue that education process and that community connection um, to bring them forward through their, through their growth business pathway, I guess you could say. So... Jim, this is a podcast about entrepreneurship and business development. What was your key driving force to becoming an entrepreneur? Great question. It wasn't my, I started off as an entrepreneur and then went to law school to kind of learn the rules of the game. Uh, you know, and I'm, I, I really believe that if you, entrepreneurship is grown out of, uh, you know, understanding 
what an opportunity looks like and how to take advantage of it. I think for for a long time, you know, you you tempted to try to just go and get a job for somebody else, you know, with somebody else, and then maybe one day take over your dad's business or or maybe break out on your own after enough years. But if part of your uh, to be able to foster the entrepreneurial spirit, you have to kind of understand the rules of the game, which means it, I'm a real believer that in addition to learning that trade or whatever it is that trade or vocation is, understand the business behind it, the law, the economics, um, you know, understand accounting, macroeconomics, how funding works, how raising capital works, uh, how to take an idea and protect it and exploit it. Um, those are things that you can train right alongside of the vocation itself. You know, um, I, and as an entrepreneur, what drove me was seeing opportunity, but by being a technology lawyer um, uh, and venture capitalist, I understood how to finance the opportunity to how to build the legal infrastructure around the opportunity that would foster the opportunity and then execute the opportunity. Um, that's not just intuitive. There's a lot of people make a lot of um, trial and error and a lot of people you know, struggle uh, to, to, to get there without the proper foundational training. I'm not suggesting everybody needs to go to law school to be an entrepreneur at all, but um, I'm a real believer and my goal, stretch goal, is to ultimately maybe even teach a class in just young entrepreneurship of how to set up a, 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 how to set up a corporation, how to protect intellectual property, how to raise capital, how to, you know, what are the, what is, how to write a business plan to take that from an idea to, uh, to, a, to an actual business, how to understand your market to bring it back and say, is this, am I solving a problem? Am I answering a question that anybody asked, you know, because uh, sometimes you can get so far out there where the world isn't where you are. So you always try to skate to, to where the puck is going and not to where, where it currently is. But um, entrepreneurship it's a spirit, and I think Campbell River has a natural spirit of that entrepreneurship because everybody came here for a reason. It wasn't just we were always here. Um, our, our indigenous um, partners were always here, but people that came here, you know, Western Europeans and others that came here, came here for the work and, and the entrepreneurial spirit to start the businesses that built a town that we all know and love. So I think we have some work ahead of us because I think – the Modern Entrepreneur Series needs to come and have you teach that <laughs> course that you're uh, talking about because definitely I agree. It is something that a lot of people get into entrepreneurship because they're passionate about what they're doing and then seek to find that information about that foundation. And that's what we're about. Rose and I are all about bringing that information to the business community here in Campbell River and the North Island and abroad. Who knows if it's a podcast, maybe uh, the world will learn from what we're trying, the information we're trying to get out there. So uh, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to take you up on that and figure out how to create this course for uh Campbell River businesses, if you're up for that. Absolutely. <laughs> so the only thing that grows a business is customers. How did you build a successful customer base? Well, great question. We've, you know, the particular industry, and, and I am part of several businesses um, with my private equity firm, but um, the one that I'm particularly passionate about, which is Sirius Labs, 
is seeing the problem and then bringing it back to the ultimate customer. So the one of the main products that we build is um, virtual reality simulators for aerial equipment. Those boom lifts and the scissor lifts and uh, and Brett Geese's project down on the waterfront there, you see those boom lifts, they're uh, working all day. Um, the safe operation and competent operation of that equipment is very difficult to train because you have to train on the actual equipment. It's kind of like trying to learn to fly a 747 in a 747. So we're taking those ideas of a simulator and giving people practice time to do the right thing first before they get on actual equipment. Um, and that equipment is the most popular rental equipment in the world. Uh, we now are building one for commercial vehicles. Um, so trucks, class one um, truck driver licenses, uh, and we were approached by the Canadian government to develop that because of this giant supply chain shortage driven quite often by the shortage in commercial drivers. And how do we get more people to come into that industry? Uh, how do we turn it into a real career rather than a, you know, a vocation? My dad didn't really have a ton of experience when he became a truck driver. He just got a job. Um, so when we were looking at it for our customers, we were looking at where the highest use cases, people that cared about safety and competency and needed to get people job site ready quickly uh, for projects. And that became our, and our products are in 15 countries around the world now, uh, in, including Canada. Nice. So Jim, now we're going to do some hard questions about the truth of being an entrepreneur. In your early startup days, how many hours a day would you be working? <laughs> well, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and necessity being the mother of invention, uh, and mating payroll and doing all those things, it's never off your mind. You know, it's very hard to turn off. I mean, being an entrepreneur is one of the hardest things because there's, uh, you know, there's no safety net. You know, there's, and, and you know, We've had projects fail, you know, not just this particular business, but we've had businesses fail or businesses that we invested in fail because just the idea was too far ahead of its time or the market was in you know, the market wasn't ready or, you know, whether it was a financial crisis of 2008 or it was, you know, COVID, you know, things happen. So for entrepreneurs, you've got to be really ready for the you know, worst case scenario at all times. And that can be weighing on you. It's not for everybody. Um, you know, there's, uh, so being an entrepreneur, you always want to work efficiently and you always want to, I mean, again, I go back to Campbell River and I think of it a place that's about working to live. It's about getting that kayak out or jumping in your boat and going and fishing the green can or getting up the mountain, skiing that weekend, or just spending quality time with family and friends. That has to be a part of your life. But as an entrepreneur, it's never really leaving you. So it's a, it's a choice, a lifestyle choice that uh, never really goes away, um, and regardless of uh, the time of day. Speaking of family, how has being an entrepreneur affected your family life? Um, you know, certainly, uh, I mean, I've had multiple careers. I was a practicing lawyer. I was in business, then I was in law, and then I went back into um, business uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, primarily, you know, certainly having an international business and traveling a lot pre-COVID, I was on the road a lot. We have a UK office in London and, and a lot of customers in Europe. So I was spending a lot of time over there. It, it's impactful. I'm, um, you know, my, uh, I'm a divorced dad. So uh, I have two daughters, 14 and um, just about to turn 15. And another one that'll be turning 21 in the fall, who's at, in third year at University of Victoria. Um, you know, it's, it was hard on them. It was hard on my first marriage. And, uh, you know, so 
entrepreneurship is is difficult. It's it's awesome when you're in a situation where you have a partnership with your spouse uh, and your family, like you know, like uh, Matt and Heather Clark do. That's a perfect symmetry because they both are in it together, and that you know, either breaks you apart or builds you closer together. Um, you know, sometimes. You know, there's a lot of people, and I and I and I admire it to some degree. Of just nice to be able to turn off at five o'clock every day and uh, go home and shut the outside world off. Um, and uh, you know, entrepreneurs don't have that luxury very often, so it's hard. It's harder. You got to know that going in for sure. You spoke about some failure, mm-hmm. and is failure a good thing in entrepreneurship? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't want a catastrophic failures if you can. But I mean, I there's an old saying that uh, every entrepreneur has at least one, you know, uh, bankruptcy or uh, a major failure behind them, and that's a lot of truth to that. And it's very common. Uh, you you can't be better unless you make mistakes, and uh, it's not. Sometimes you just get onto a you know a really easy ride where you just made one good bet and it just seemed you looked like the most prescient uh, person in the world, but ninety percent of the time is just a constant oscillation of trial and error and you just constantly improve and iterate and where you started is rarely where you end up because you know the, even the products that you build um, don't end up being the products that you ultimately sell. You think you're solving a big problem and then you end up solving a different problem. Uh, so, uh, you know, Viagra started off as a heart, as a, as a heart medicine and had a different application that they had discovered. So, which is where which popularity came from. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, failure is definitely a part of being, uh, uh, an entrepreneur. The more you can obviate that and mitigate it upfront by understanding what you're getting into, understanding the thing, the failure points of structure, intellectual property protection, Understanding the economics of your business, price elasticity, what's somebody willing to pay, how many customers do you need to sustain it, um, you know, knowing and understanding how that works going in means that you're leaving the risk to the things that you can't control. And so you're trying to keep the, keep the guardrails very close about with the things that you can control. So, uh, yeah, definitely making mistakes, and I've made a lot of them. Uh, you know, they, they teach me to be better every day. And I think that that's a, probably a good piece of advice for entrepreneurs. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. Uh, just try to limit them and control the, 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 the magnitude of that mistake by preparation. What has been your most satisfying moment in business? I, I think... Um, I'll give one example, you know, because there's so many different um, times, you know, it's to see, you know, part of it is to see that a youthful team of, of very smart people building something that the world cares about, that they're not just in the abstract, they're not just in the ethereal, they're actually building things that matter. And I think probably in 2017, we won our first big international award for one of our virtual reality simulators in London, England. And um, just to have one of my young team members up on that stage with me accepting that award, uh, just the pride he felt about build, being part of something that actually will save lives and change lives and protect people from adversity. That was a real proud moment because that was the world saying, you guys are the best. Uh, that was sort of the Stanley Cup of our industry awards. And uh, that was a very proud moment. More, I was more proud of him and... Uh, because I can assure you that his wife 
thought he should be doing anything but that job. Uh, and I think that uh, certainly for us to realize on that um, recognition of excellence was something he was enormously proud of. Uh, my, I think I'm proud every day just at the, the, the team that I have around me that, uh, that really makes, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be the face of the thing for, for the most part, but really it's nothing without these amazing people that I surround myself with. And their successes are what I'm most proud of. Yeah. Spoken like a true leader right there. We all would love to work for a boss, a manager, um, a CEO who believes in the people who work under them. And that is something that needs to be cultivated. So do you have any words of advice for people who are leading teams who can learn from that philosophy? You know, uh, leadership is, uh, I mean, you don't really sort of aspire to be a leader. Um, you just, it just kind of comes with the territory, uh, you know, any business of any magnitude, you have to, it's more than just you. And so giving people the opportunity to succeed and enabling them to take the credit they deserve for it, um, getting out of their way, uh, not micromanaging, uh, just the challenge when you're as old as I am is that you've seen the pattern so many times it's the hardest part is to let people actually make the mistake and then learn from it and grow from it uh, rather than it's like your children. You're just trying to shelter them from making mistake. And I don't mean that condescendingly, uh, you know, certainly enabling people to, to, to have the freedom to experiment and explore and make mistakes. That's how good businesses are built. That's how loyalty is built to know that they fail and it's not, the end of the world it's just part of the process and then they'll they'll fail more freely and um, but uh less often um because they can you know you don't go down rabbit holes is, and you don't you don't you're not so emphatic about your position on things you can go whoa, whoa whoa i don't think i did the right thing there but i'm okay to say i'm wrong so i can now go down the right road and uh that to me for leadership is enabling your people to arrive at those conclusions and give them the freedom to do it and be ready to hand off. Like just, I'm, I'm absolutely ready for, any leader should be setting themselves up to hand the baton to the next generation because they ultimately will be better and smarter than you are. Uh, and you're best, you're best served to get out of their way. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to go into now really quickly. We've got five questions that we're going to ask every guest. And it's kind of a rapid fire question and answer period. Are you good if we jump into that? Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for rapid fire. Jim, what was your first job? My first job was just about 100 yards from here at City Hall at Pizza Patio. Uh, on uh, St. Anne's. It was, uh, my job was working in the kitchen. I was hired as a chef, and I think I was maybe 15, spinning pizzas in the air. That was my first job in Cameroon. If you weren't with Sirius Labs, what would you be doing right now? Oh, probably something um, in the entrepreneurial state. There's, I'm, I've, my interests are widespread. I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm considering, you know, maybe entering into the political arena a little bit. Um, obviously, I... 
Uh, I love to travel. Um, you know, I'm getting married again here on Vancouver Island this summer. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, you know, my daughters both are very close to the island and Campbell River because all their cousins and, and grandparents, you know, grandmothers here. So, uh, I, you know, Probably would be accelerating my move back to Campbell River um, would be one of the things I'd be doing if I wasn't uh, still running Sirius Labs. Well, we'll have to get you out of Sirius Labs because we need <laughs> to get you back into Campbell River. <laughs> so we covered this earlier, but what is your connection to Campbell River? Uh, again, being you know pretty much born and raised here, uh, and never lived knowing or living anywhere else until I was probably 20. Um, my family and friends are still here, you know, kids I grew up with and, uh, and like Jim Dobbins, you know, I was driving around with one of my dearest, oldest friends. Um, you know, so we've got lots of them here, family, um, the connection to the area, the water. Um, it's, uh, it's something that's, even when I was living in the UK back in the 80s, you know, it was just automatic, like, where are you from, Cameroon? You know, it was never Vancouver, Nanaimo, or anywhere else that I ever might have subsequently lived. It was always Campbell River. So what is your favorite spot in Campbell River? Oh, boy. Uh, Where do you go when you're here? First thing that comes to mind, I'm going back to Campbell River. Where are you going? You know, I think it's probably getting down onto the seawalk. Uh, just getting the smell of the ocean uh, and uh, and that walk along the seawalk. It just, there's nowhere in... I've ever been that has it. So I was, I mean, I was speaking in the south of France in Nice uh, just pre-COVID and they got a pretty beautiful beach that you can walk along, but that's a completely different world in the south of France. Campbell River just has this incredible waterfront that all of us get to enjoy. And uh, the smells, the sounds, the marine traffic, just and even on a bad day, this town shines. So I think my favorite place to go is to get down to the water as soon as possible. I found it really interesting before we started recording, you were talking about how back in the day, they wouldn't actually build houses facing the ocean. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because coming from the prairies, that is unbelievable to me that anybody would even think to not look at the ocean. Well, it was funny because... Um... Uh, you know, something was actually another observation that Jim Dobbins had made to me once before when we were looking at some real estate together and I was going, why is that apartment building facing the wrong way? It could be pointed that way and staring straight at the beautiful ocean view. You know, southeasters coming right off the water, really hard on buildings and the glass. And, that, and, uh, and then secondly, just the ocean's always there. Why do I need to stare at it all night? I remember when um, my parents bought their first house on, at that time it was South Murphy, it was a dirt road. And the road ended um, about 50 feet up the road from where our house was. And it was a gravel road. And uh, if, my mom just said, look at the ocean view. You know, it was a crappy little house. I think they paid $23,000 for it. But I look at that real estate now and think, wish we'd kept it. Yeah. But my mom always knew that the beauty of the ocean and the mountains and the islands and the marine traffic and all that were always something to be, she always reminded us of that. We had a little cottage on Miracle Beach, right on the beach, uh, which on Seaview Road back when I was a kid. And I was always it was instilled upon me about how the beauty of the ocean, but for people that worked on the water, that had to go down to it every day, staring at it at nighttime is not as appealing. Maybe now so, and it's hard to realize that to be the case, but um, yeah, there was definitely a time where, you know, 
the, your house just was where you lived and what you were staring at was probably the TV, <laughs> not the ocean. Right. Let's have you finish this sentence. A modern entrepreneur is? A person that sees a problem that has a solution that the world hasn't uncovered yet. And last question, what is something that no entrepreneur should be without? Adequate capital and a good lawyer. <laughs> Spoken like a lawyer. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jim, for chatting with us today. This has been great. And I look forward to running into you more often on the streets in Campbell River. Well, thank you very much. Just, uh, you'll see me walking on the uh, seawalk with my dog this summer. So please stop and say hi. Will do. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Modern Entrepreneur podcast series. For more information and to hear more, visit campbellriver.ca.